Over the mountains and the sea, your river runs with love for me. And I will open up my heart and let the healer set me free. I'm happy to be in the truth, and I will daily lift my hands. For I will always sing of when your love came down. I can sing of your love forever. And I can sing of your love forever. I can sing of your love forever. And I can sing of your love forever. Over the mountains and the sea, your river runs with love for me. And I will open up my heart and let the healer set me free. I'm happy to be in the truth. And I will daily lift my hands, for I will always sing when your love came down. I can sing of your love forever. And 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 I can sing of your love forever. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. And here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come. And I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus on me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger, interpose his precious blood. Greater debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. And I hope by thy confetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Sing that again. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above.
Good morning, my name is Anna Yoder. I'm a junior here and I'm also serving with Bob and Tamara as the student chapel assistant this year. As we continue to worship together, I'll be lighting this lamp in front of us as a sign of God's presence among us. And I also invite you to turn in your blue hymnals to number 661 for a call to worship. We gather as pilgrims on a journey of faith. Shine in our hearts, O God, with the light of your love. Make your presence known through Jesus the Christ. Amen. This morning, President Jim Brenneman will be speaking about positive affirmation found in the scripture and how we can engage positively with the world around us. As we prepare to hear his words, I'll be reading from 2 Corinthians 1, verses 20 through 22 from the Message Bible. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray, the great amen, God's yes and our yes together, gloriously evident. God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes within us. By his spirit, he has stamped us with his eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he is destined to complete. First, let me say welcome to all of you who are coming back again this semester. And for those who are new this semester, we are very glad you're here as well. I also want to say thank you. Thank you to all of you who have been praying hard and contributing and looking for other ways and other efforts to help the people of Haiti. We'll have a moment at the conclusion of the chapel to think and pray for our brothers and sisters there. Well, I hope this semester will be the best yet for all of you, and especially those of you who are about to graduate, and can you believe it, just a little over three months. If what I say this morning doesn't re resonate with you, Perhaps when my comments are dissected and reinterpreted on YouTube as a sequel to the very funny clip entitled, The Wise Sayings of Jimmy B, <laughs> you will find something meaningful to contemplate at least there. And that's for you, Jordan and Michael. <laughs> All right. For now, I'd like to consider the words of the Apostle Paul to the Corinthians when he makes the claim that Jesus is God's yes. It's quite a Christological statement. Jesus is God's yes and amen. And that God's yes and our yes together makes for a wonderfully glorious combination. In order to fully appreciate the meta yeses of Apostle Paul's claim, it's also important that we understand and think about the meta-nose in life as well. Truth be told, if you took a jar and you put a penny for all the no's that you and I have received in life, put a penny in the jar and took a penny out for all the yeses, that jar, I'm guessing, would never empty. The no's of life so often are much greater than life's yeses. 
When I was a kid, our talking parakeet named Perky, in a voice quite similar to my mother, would say things like, stop it, boys, and no, don't do that. He never got around to saying, yes, you can, go for it. I'm not blaming Perky or my mother. I mean, it isn't easy raising three active boys and a girl without a lot of no's in the process. If you Google, just say no, you'll get 160 million hits. Just say no, we know the familiar ones, to drugs, sex, and rock and roll. Just say no to the federal government, to war, to fossil fuels. Just say no, this was a new one to me, to the Zuzu hamster, to Cheerios, and believe it or not, just say no to Girl Scout cookies. Why, I don't know. <laughs> Saying no a lot isn't necessarily a bad thing. Psychologist Susan Newman, author of the Book of No, 250 Ways to Say It and Mean It, suggests that sometimes the no's of life keep us from making big mistakes. Sometimes they set limits on less than good behavior and help us deal with life's disappointments. Life's no's teach us how to argue a point or to prioritize what's important. A no can even lead us to the next great opportunity. I remember when I tried to get my first book published, I got a list, a growing list, I should say, over and over rejection slips. And it was only until I looked back, I was glad that all the other publishers said no, because the one who said yes, I think, was the best among them. Gerald Schlabach, Goshen College alum and associate professor of theology at the University of St. Thomas, in his forthcoming memoir of his conversion from Mennonite to Roman Catholic faith, claims that Goshen College has a distinct school of thought, which he calls a culture of dissent. By such an accounting, here at Goshen College, we have no difficulty just saying no, except in PC when it comes to making budget decisions. Well, we come to such an ethos quite honestly. Take a brief journey back in time with me and put, in order to put our culture of dissent into perspective. The founders of the Mennonite movement nearly 500 years ago, in no uncertain terms, just said no. They just said no to the fundamental religious and civil order of the time. They just said no to the church and state union that had been dominating the world for some thousand years. They championed human freedom and separation of church and state and they were persecuted and executed for those beliefs which have since been enshrined in all Western democracies. No wonder they have been described by historians and others as radical dissenters, sectarian naysayers, and prophetic nonconformists. These early Mennonite Anabaptists were also idealists and perfectionists for whom the word compromise was considered sinful. Unfortunately, 
because so many of them were silenced and killed during these early years of their life together, they never really had the opportunity to try to put into practice a model for social and political life together that might actually have played out in the world of nations and cultures where compromise can be seen as a positive norm. Like many others before and since, these early forebears of Goshen College divided the world in two, compromisers and non-compromisers. Between yay and nay, between political leaders and prophets, between administrators and agitators, between the establishment and the protesters or Protestants, between the institutions and the individual. Clearly, they came down on the side of the prophetic dissenter, largely based, in my opinion, on a somewhat narrow understanding of biblical prophets as primarily naysayers and exclusively critical. From, 19, from 1924, by my reckoning, 30 years into the history of Goshen College, until at least 1989, the normative school of thought at Goshen was that of radical dissent, non-conforming idealism, and prophetic disestablishmentarianism, expialidocious. I just threw that part in. <laughs> there were more no's than yeses. During those years, the famous dean, Dean H.S. Bender, wrote a manifesto called The Anabaptist Vision, in which he called all true Christians to, and I'm quoting, withdraw from the worldly system and create a Christian social order within the fellowship of the church. Goshen College historian Guy Hirschberger, author of War, Peace, and Non-Resistance, added his support to the growing orthodoxy of Goshen College's culture of dissent, at least on the question of war and non-resistance. Soon, there became a fixed canon of thought about what it meant to be Mennonite, or at least a Goshen College Mennonite, or a Goshen College student. Such a consensus lasted until about the early 1960s when it began to unravel as more people began to embrace social action and nonviolent resistance as opposed to non-resistance as legitimate expressions of dissent. The greatest advocate and facilitator of this radical dissent school of thought was one of the 20th century's leading ethicists and theologians, Goshen College alumnus, John Howard Yoder. You can even, if you imagine this, get a PhD in Yoderian studies now in, at Duke University. There's a goal to try to, to, try to accomplish. <clears throat> to show you how entrenched the culture of dissent was here at Goshen College, when a new school of thought was articulated by philosopher J.L. J. Lawrence Burkholder in his 1958 dissertation, it was all but banned from public debate, literally going underground for 30 years, staying unpublished until 1989, five years after President J. Lawrence Burkholder completed his own tenure here at Goshen College as its 11th president. 
For those of you who think presidents are freest of all to speak their minds in colleges and universities, I would invite you to think again. It was J. Lawrence Burkholder's thesis that called for all Christians, Mennonites and others, including all those people of other faiths trained at Mennonite colleges to become engaged in the civil, business, political, and institutional establishments of the world. In a bit of provocation, he asked the question, what right has one to prophesy without accepting responsibility for decision-making, management, and accountability? He wanted, if he wanted to, had he wanted to, Dr. Burkholder could very well have appealed to a precedent of biblical prophets those who worked within the empires of their day, as well as other biblical characters such as Joseph, Esther, David, Nehemiah, Daniel, and others who were salt and light within the established orders of their times. He, didn't, he did not see such engagement as a negative compromise per se, nor did he see such engagement as a concession to the demands of the nations. So it was that at the height of the Vietnam War, when he and students rightfully protested the war, he also had the United Nations and American flag raised on campus for the first time as an open door for active engagement with the community. Dr. Burkholder saw engagement in the world as a way, and these are his words, as a way of serving Christ by loving the neighbor with greater effectiveness by helping to change the intellectual and political systems from within the civic and cultural institutions. By contrast, the other Goshen College School of Thought cared much less about political effectiveness, even arguing for a certain, and I'm quoting here, uh, John Howard Yoder, a social irresponsibility by Christians separated from the world in order to be witnesses to the world. Dr. Burkholder thought such a clean separation from the world was elusive, if not illusory. President Burkholder felt that Christians and non-Christians alike were to be world citizens, taking responsibility for creating a more flourishing life in the world. He wondered at one point whether the argument for a narrow politics of no or dissent standing outside the systems of the world as articulated in the Anabaptist vision, wasn't perhaps a sign of arrested development in the Anabaptist movement, frozen in time by martyrdom and elevated to a reconstructed ideal of the past. While the normative Goshen College culture of dissent was being articulated by others from safe and secluded halls of academia in Europe and in Goshen, a youthful J. Lawrence Burkholder was flying huge DC-3 cargo planes of food into China. As the UN representative for relief, he found himself negotiating both between Mao's revolutionary soldiers and Chiang Kai-shek's government forces and working within the UN policy constraints to get food to starving Chinese caught between these two warring factions at one of the pinnacles of Chinese history, modern history. His philosophy of positive engagement and social responsibility grew out of his governmental work 
in China. Whereas the traditional rendering of the Anabaptist vision had ruled inadmissible participation in civic and national politics, Burkholder believed such participation in many circumstances was a high Christian calling, a worthy vocation. Not only was he uh, invited to uh, give the eulogy, the opening eulogy and prayer at Martin Luther King Jr.'s funeral ceremony at Harvard University, Dr. Burkholder was in Red Square in Moscow during the failed coup against Boris Yeltsin, was in East Germany when the Berlin Wall fell, in China again shortly after the democracy movement was crushed in Tiananmen Square. And before ma making my concluding remarks, I would like this morning to introduce to you the father of the other Goshen College School of Thought, Dr. J. Lawrence Burkholder, my president, our president, Dr. Burkholder. Thank you for coming today. In conclusion, then, if the traditional Goshen College school of thought was primarily that of prophetic dissent, deconstruction, critical inquiry, separation from the world as outside observers, all characteristics, by the way, of good critical inquiry in a liberal arts education. The new school of thought adds value to our education by inviting us to become responsible constructive agents in all the many professions available to us. If one Goshen College School of Thought offers a thesis, the other its antithesis, I long for a synthesis, or at least an accommodation where both schools of thought are given their rightful place here on our campus and in our church. Wouldn't that be a model of true dialogue, the essence of a liberal arts education? The one school of thought will proclaim the radical no to injustice. The other will proclaim the radical yes we can and work to create just systems. While the one school of thought argues for selective non-participation, the other will insist on selective participation. If the one school of thought situates us in the middle of salvation history, the other one situates us in the orders of creation. Both are found in the Bible competing with each other. We need both. We need to, to side with one to the exclusion of the other is to settle for half-truths. To side with either or exclusively is to settle for half-truths. We need some naysayers, no question. Goshen College has been particularly good at nurturing dissenters, prophets, and nonconformists especially attractive to college students at your stage of life. And we've been good at saying who we are not. But I believe at this time in Goshen's history, we need a lot more radical yay-sayers. We need to create a culture of assent alongside our historic culture of dissent. We need new John Howard Yoders of influence and Jane Howard Yoders of influence who will develop the work of President Burkholder for a whole new generation. We need to say who we are in positive, contagious ways. We need you 
to become the diplomats helping to negotiate peace at the highest levels of the national and international communities. We need you to become policy wonks and administrators, business gurus, heads of national and international governmental and non-governmental agencies, institutional and political leaders, salt, leaven, and light, who advance the kingdom of Christ, God's great yes, in a world and in the church. Let us join our yes with God's yes then in radical engagement to help bring healing and hope to a hurting world. This is no less than our responsibility. I leave us with the question asked of us by the poet Robin O'Brien. She says, in a world full of don't, full of shouldn't and won't, it is easy to fear when that's all that we hear. But what if? What if one day when the naysayers say it is futile, no less, we find courage for yes? Amen. you guys just stand with us again um this next song is just about like what jesus did for us and uh what that means and um if you don't know the words just listen just read them and listen to them and um you can sing along with us Lord, I lay me down. 
Read me on myself, I belong to you. To your heart, to your heart, lead me to your heart, lead me to your heart, lead me to the cross where your love poured out. Before creation, Gennady in your hand, and you spoke the earth into motion, my soul now to stand, and you stood before my failure. And carry the cross for my shame. My sin weighed upon your shoulders, my soul now to stand. So, what could I say? And what could I do? But offer this heart, oh God, completely to you. So I walk upon salvation, your spirit alive in me. This life to declare your promise, my soul now to stand. So what could I say? And what could I do? But offer this heart, oh God, completely. Again. So what, what can, can I, I say? What, what could I do? But offer this heart, oh God, completely to you. 
So I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. And I'll stand, my soul, Lord, to you surrender all I am is yours. So I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. So I'll stand, my soul, Lord, to you surrender all. I am is yours. Sing that one more time. So I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. So I'll stand, my soul, Lord, to you surrender all. I am is yours. I know you gave the world your only son for us to know your name to live within the Savior's love he took my place knowing he'd be crucified you loved you loved a people undeserving and I know you gave the world your only son for us to know your name to live within the savior's blood you took my place knowing he'd be crucified you loved you loved a people undeserving As we think about how we can engage with our world in positive ways, we want to take some time to acknowledge the earthquake that took place in Haiti on Tuesday of this week. We want to acknowledge the tens of thousands of people who lost their lives, as well as the much other injury and destruction. We have connections to Haiti here at Goshen. We have two students who are here with us that come from Haiti, um, and we also had a Goshen SST program that operated in Haiti from, for about 20 years, from the late 1960s to the mid-1980s. One way that we can respond is by giving money toward relief organizations, such as Mennonite Central Committee. And in an effort to raise some money for MCC's Haiti Relief Fund, there are going to be containers placed at Java Junction, as well as at the entrance to the dining hall. Um, and there will also be money collected at kickoff in two weeks. So please consider making a donation to that. But we can also respond in prayer. And so I invite you to join with me now as we pray together. Loving God, we thank you for your presence in this place with us and for the way that you walk with us in each of our lives. We cry out against the injustice and the suffering of innocent people and for the physical destruction that has also taken place in Haiti this week. Lord, we confess that we don't understand. 
but we do know that you promise to be present with your people. And so we pray for your presence to be manifested in powerful ways in the midst of chaos and pain, especially in the capital city, Port-au-Prince. Lord, work through the hands of those who are offering help, finding bodies buried beneath rubble, comforting the wounded, giving food and shelter to those who need it. May your spirit bring healing and bring hope. And now, as we go from this place, empower us to engage with the world around us in positive ways. May your grace renew our life. May your love enable us to love all persons. And may your spirit unite us as we go separate ways. In your name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed. <laughs>